2: Here are your hosts,
0: Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV.
3: Welcome in here on this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio on this Thursday morning. We'll call Jeffrey Wright here in a few minutes. We'll talk some, uh, some national stuff with him as we do most every Thursday. And then we'll let him go to his, uh, his first radio show of the day. And then we'll talk some baseball. As Ole Miss got good news on Hunter Elliott yesterday. That was announced. He has a strained UCL. They do expect him back at some point this season. I'll go over particulars of that. And kind of the kerfuffle and chaos of a rain-shortened game and a delay and tarp gate and the entire thing last night at Swayze Field. As Ole Miss was losing 5-4 to four to Louisiana Tech in the seventh inning, but they win 4-3 to three because the seventh inning never happened. So I'll go over all that as well when uh, we're done with, uh, with Jeffrey here in a bit. But the podcast brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Ole Miss returns to Swayze Field in a, a couple weeks. Purdue is the opponent next weekend for that. And you can win tickets to the final game of the series, for box seats, courtesy of the Oxford Exxon. You do that by getting on social media and you at them at Oxford Exxon. You use the hashtag Rebel Ready and you can uh, be entered to win. Say what you want. Say something clever. You have a chance to win those tickets the rest of the season for every series finale with the Oxford Exxon. Again, coming to you from the Clark Ford studio.
4: We are Clark Ford. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for uh, Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle. No haggle. You get your quote. The rest uh, up to you. You can shop Quote around, you can do what I've done, but I recommend that you do, and That's us hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. Jeffrey Wright, other guests, join on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. If you're a displaced corporate executive or you're wanting to put your career in your own hands, if you're an experienced entrepreneur wanting to diversify, Andy Ludeke can help. He owns multiple franchises and businesses. He uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy, put your life and your career in your own hands. It's hundred percent free. You got nothing to lose. Find your perfect franchise at my dot or you can contact Andy anytime at Andy at myperfectfranchise or net or four zero four
3: nine seven three nine nine zero one. Is Jeffrey ready? Got something to yeah, I, I think so. I was trying to. Okay. We'll call Jeffrey Wright on the My Perfect Franchise Hotline. Talk to him a little bit, as we do again every Thursday.
2: Hello? Oh
4: I'm Hello? Sorry. I've, I've called the wrong number. I apologize.
2: No problem. Bye-bye.
3: See, she sounded happy to talk, though. I think she, I think we could have had a conversation there.
4: You have those days where they start, and you know it's kind of not going to be your day. It's going to be a day you just have, sort of have to endure it and get through it. I'm having one of those.
3: You think this is one of those today? For sure.
4: I'll just talk for a minute. I'll figure it out.
3: Do you want the number in print form where you can type it in?
4: I'm trying to get to that screen where I can. Oh, okay.
3: I've got his number. I just. Okay. I know, but sometimes, you know, you don't know the exact number. I text it to you in oh, yeah. digit form if you need it that way. That's all. It's all good. It's rainy morning. Everybody ignored the storms or slept through them last night. The thunder was worst around my house around 4 a.m. this morning. It woke me up sometime around between three, three, that. five, and 4. I couldn't sleep through that lightning and thunder to save my life. That
4: was scary. Even the lightning? Yeah, the lightning. I mean, I thought something popped inside the house. There was like this loud pop. We went looking for it at 4.30 in the morning, like what was broken. Jeffrey? Good morning. How are you, sir?
1: Man, I... Uh... I don't know if there's like something going on, but like Memphis today is like an absolute standstill. Like traffic, everything. I, I I don't know if like the overnight rain made everyone sleep in or what. I don't know. This is a disaster for us. This feels this feels like I'm back in college.
4: What do you think it is?
1: I, I, I mean, honestly, my only working theory is, you know, overnight rain, so we, there's flooding possibilities, so wrecks and whatnot, but I mean, it didn't matter if you took, you know, it didn't matter if you took the streets, it didn't matter if you took the freeway, like, it is just a disaster.
3: Did you I alter had, your route?
1: So I was, I I was trying to, uh, you know, as as a lifelong memphian, I know the the big bad streets, and I was trying to Beat the system and i took a back way and i'm stopped at this like i'm going through traffic but like everything stopped and there's people on the right that are trying to cut kind across of and you just hear all these horns honking and then finally this hero in a forerunner gets out of his front door turns behind him and just yells shut the f up to everyone behind him and i just felt like i was like okay i think that's just uh how the day's going
3: neil kind of said the same he said he's having a weird morning you're having a weird morning it's moving through
4: right now yeah the, there was lightning at 4:30 that made this giant pop sound i was i mean laura thought so too though some device broke and so we went like looking for it and then you start getting paranoid and i came up and Made sure Carson was okay.
1: Like, what kind of pop? Is it possible lightning just hit a tree?
4: It sounded like something exploded in in like the living room, but nothing did. We went in. I went in fully anticipating like a TV to be busted or the oven or something like that, right? And everything appeared to be fine. And I came upstairs like thinking maybe it was something up here, and it was nothing up here. I checked in on Carson, and then I got back in the bed, and I couldn't sleep, of course, because now my brain's going on. Okay, what are we? What's going on today? Yeah,
1: at that point you're up,
4: and then I fell asleep a little, and then Laura's leaving for for Arkansas today, and so she was she got up early so she could finish pat it It's just I was like,
3: this day is just shot. So yeah, Jeffrey, I'll give you a little dress rehearsal for for your show today. Sorry, yeah, no, you're good. What in the world? What, what do you make of this newest Ja Morant thing? Just Ja in general is a, a team leader for Memphis right now. The Washington Post reporting that he was accused of repeatedly punching a teenage boy in the head and threatening him with a gun last summer. that comes a few days after some other incidents. It feels like it's all sort of piling up right now, but how do you sort of unpack it?
1: Okay, so it's important to note the, the teenager basketball story that had been reported and um, to me.
3: Yeah, r- real quick, two seconds for people who haven't followed this. That incident surface, is a 17 year old told police last August, who turned 23 last August, that Moran had punched him 12 or 13 times during a pickup game at the point guard's house.
1: Correct. And ja- so Joss ja subsequently filed his own police report and. He did admit to hitting him, but it was out of self-defense. Also, the young man in question, it is important to note, his mother has filed, I believe, the upwards of 20 lawsuits, I believe all of which up until this point have been dismissed. Uh, and Ja's attorneys are claiming that initially, after that incident, she uh, asked for $20 million from Ja. So you do have to take it with a grain of salt. All of this, all of these incidents kind of taken individually, they're all kind of bad looks, but at the same time, you kind of roll your eyes. And you're like, all right, whatever. The problem is when you take all of these stories, the, the, the basketball court story at his house, the mall incident and then the fracas or whatever happened in the loading dock of FedEx forum with his with his crew against the Indiana Pacers. Well now you're starting to establish a pattern. And the pattern is while most of the time Jaw's not kind of at the spearhead He's not exactly surrounded by. Uh, he's not exactly surrounded. Like he's surrounded by hotheads, I guess is how I would say it. And it's now starting to be a pattern. You have three different incidents. It's also important to note with the mall with the mall incident. It's four days after the basketball court incident, and the NBA suspended one of Jaws like. Like main entourage guys, and there hasn't really been an incident since. So, in fairness to, in fairness to the Grizzlies and those that are in, you know, have a vested interest in Ja, it's entirely possible that this has been addressed and it's moving forward. Yet they're digging up other things that needed to be addressed, and now you're you know now you you know you don't get the gift of well it's it's been handled because everyone's bringing up old stuff I still think the I think the question that jaw's going to have to determine is what does he want his image to be and it seems to me right now that he wants his image to kind of be tough guy and such a mistake If I'm advising him I'm saying listen if that's what you want your image to be that's fine just understand this, go pull up the top 50 off-field endorsement guys and gals. Maybe they they have politics that you don't like, but for the most part, they're pretty corporate and buttoned-up guys. And if you want to be a billion-dollar athlete, the tough guy route is not the way to go. But if that's not what you care about, then, you know, if you're sitting there going, hey, I'm going to make, you know, you know, probably $500 million in my career from salary, that's entirely your choice. I also think, though, when you consider Ja to a lot of these other athletes, you know, Ja was massively overlooked as a recruit. He goes to Murray State. Um, he hasn't been part of, like, the machine if you will. Like, even with LeBron, you know, I mean, LeBron's on the front page of Sports Illustrated in high school, doesn't go to college. Like, he's been a part of, like, the corporate Nike zeitgeist machine, all of that, for much of his career. When you look at a lot of these soccer guys, you know, same thing. Like, they've been in these academies for so long. So now you have this guy that's become essentially this megastar overnight And there's, you know, he's got his family and whatnot, but there's not a, there's not like really a
2: brand business
1: manager. And I I think you're starting to see, you've got a lot of people that are completely dependent on Ja, and there's no one from the outside that's kind of navigating, navigating and maneuvering and positioning for him.
4: He reminds me so much of Russell Westbrook. Um, just he can't stop. He can't let the chip come off his shoulder. It's like I I got disrespected. I got overlooked. Uh, ended up at Murray State. People didn't think I could play. They thought I was too small. They thought whatever, whatever, whatever. And then when I can't shoot. Yeah, and when the success comes, they can't. Westbrook almost used to admit this. It's like, well, if I, if I let this chip come off my shoulder, because now people respect me, I mean, I got voted MVP, right? I'm an, I'm a multi-time all-star. I got multiple in, in, NBA deals. I, I'm, I've made incredible money. People off the court are throwing money at me to, to wear goofy clothes. I mean, everything, everything I could possibly want's there. But if I let this chip go of disrespect, I won't be the same player. And, and Morant's in my opinion, infinitely better than, than Westbrook was at his peak. Not not today, Russell, but Russell when he was...
1: He's certainly more skilled.
4: Yeah, but he, he has that same thing, and he just can't let it go. And I think he... I wish someone, like you said, I wish someone could get to him and say, hey, drop it. It's okay. You can be, you can be a beast on the floor and then let it go the moment you walk off the floor.
1: Yeah, and I think... I think that's going to occur because in the end, like if you use the Russell Wilson or the Russell Westbrook comparison, you know, Russell wasn't getting a Nike signature shoe and Russell's in the peak of the LeBron era. Well, now we have this, we now have kind of this era where we might be switching of the guard and, you know, jaw, jaw is the only like young guy kind of in his class that's gotten his shit signature shoe that they're kind of you know that they're investing a lot in and to me i don't want to say like i'm putting it all on nike but like i do think nike's going to have to step in and do what nike does best i mean i think they're arguably the greatest marketing company we've ever seen and they're going to have to take over the imaging and the branding and kind of reel it in like to me, the biggest thing is there's no one from the outside that's kind of offering guidance. And, you know, we've seen it's a tales old time when you lead, you know, young people to buckets of money and everyone around them is, you know, essentially beholden to them. Well, it turns out those usually aren't the best decision makers. And, you know, we see problems ensue. But, to me, you know, do I think this is like Jaws some type of thug or whatnot? No, I do think though we've seen in the NBA when guys when guys don't come quote unquote from the streets, they seem to like want to try to prove themselves. And you know, I, I think Jaws maybe struggled with that at times, but I don't know, I guess kind of more than anything, I think it also, what we're seeing is it kind of shows the star power of John Morant. I mean, the Washington Post was sending out the entire PR campaign yesterday. Like they were doing like, I mean, they were just plugging us and it's because, Hey, if you see John Morant in a story, it catches fire.
4: Yeah. And he's on a team that's a competitive team. I mean, Memphis is right there with Denver and and, and Phoenix and frankly, Sacramento, who I've watched a little bit lately. I mean, those are the four teams in the West that have a chance to win this, unless you buy into the the Warriors when Curry comes back. And Curry's supposed to come back in the next few days. Maybe he'll be effective. Maybe they'll be the Warriors of old. But this is this is Memphis's first real opportunity. I mean, not just you know what I mean. It's their first real opportunity to compete for a title this year. Yeah,
1: and I mean, I guess I suppose in the end maybe last year was a better opportunity than they realized in real time. I mean, mm-hmm. in the end, you lost in six to the Warriors who go on to lose to Boston in six, and the Grizzlies led for like 70% of that series. Like They were kind of, it was kind of an inverse of the Timberwolves series where they only led for like 30% of it, but they won in six, and so like they kind of flip-flop. But, you know, I mean, I think this is also kind of I think the super team era really got us away from in the NBA thinking about how oftentimes the NBA was the story of teams having to be built and then overcome and then kind of, you know, there was a linear story, whereas the super team era just kind of threw everything. It's like, all right, just get the best players, go out and win, and there's no, like, really build. Yep. And I think what we're seeing with Ja is, you know, not only is his team learning how to win at the highest level, like he's learning how to be a superstar in real time, and we're kind of watching it unfold.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. We were talking yesterday. Neil and I had our opinions. Is the ACC intact as it is in twenty twenty five?
1: Okay, so I guess this this is the biggest question that I have. If a lawyer hasn't been able to figure it out yet. And I don't know, Neil, how long do you believe the lawyers have been trying to beat the grant of rights? Because I believe it's been at least two years.
4: Yeah. I think it's been a while, but here's where I think things have changed. Okay. For the Florida state AD to come out and publicly say what he said, the way that he said it. And then for some of the articles that have been written from sort of, uh, FSU friendly media, this, is, this has been – they've got some traction somewhere, and I think their traction is, hey, if enough of us all agree this isn't going to work, and we all start talking at the same time, and we all get out in front of this and say, here's where we're looking to go, and they're not all going to be together, but some could go to the SEC, some could go to the Big 12, some could go to the Big 10, a couple could go back to the Big East and they could break it up where the grant of rights completely expired, or they could get close enough where they could work out a a negotiation, a negotiated settlement that makes everybody happy. I I just don't think that was a spur of the moment comment that the AD made. I I thought that was very calculated. And that was the first time that I've ever heard anyone from one of those schools come out and just go, this doesn't work and we've got to get out.
1: So, I agree with you that it's very calculated. I guess if I were playing devil's advocate, isn't it entirely possible that if that those comments are more reflective of okay, he's unhappy, their lawyers haven't been able to beat this, so now you you turn this into you know a public sympathy campaign? I mean, to me, I guess the biggest question is you know when you look at how that thing is how the grant of rights is written. Not only do they not not only do they have to pay the exit fee, they can't sell their grant of rights to anyone until the contract runs out. So to me, if we're going down your plan, the only way that this is going to end up dissolving in the next, you know, what is it, 2034?
3: 2036.
1: 36. So the only way that this ends up dissolving is there's going to have to be there's going to have to be and i can't remember we i remember looking this up last summer but i think it's like of their 14 members i think 9 have to vote to dissolve the conference and so if they vote to dissolve the conference well you can't enforce a grant of rights with a conference that doesn't exist that's at least the that's at least the legal theory i'm right, not that's correct. a legal scholar no that's correct so so the question is going to be are you going to be able to convince you know, there are some teams that would obviously get scooped up. Are there going to be nine to vote yes? Because there are some people that are, even though the ACC is getting left behind at the highest level, and, you know, the Clemsons and the Florida States, and I suppose North Carolina and Virginia, even though they don't want to admit it out loud, they know it's true. Um, you know, there's going to be the point in which, you know, is, is Pitt going to vote on this? You know, I mean... Are you going to be able to get all – are you able to get nine people? Like, you know, it becomes House of Cards at that point. Like, are you going to have the votes? <clears throat> I think the Pac-12 dissolves first.
3: Yeah, I think the Pac-12's done. I think that's over.
4: Yeah. As I, soon
3: as those teams jump Big 12. or Because otherwise, they're just going to grab San Diego State and SMU and have a streaming platform that sucks and just kind of tread water. It's, it's pretty yeah, obvious I at this point. I that,
1: think it's done – I think it's done, not if the big. I think it's done if they don't get up, if they don't get a deal. Because I think what the isn't it March thirty first. What's the ultimatum for Clay That's
3: for the streaming platform or their rights or whatever right. the it's package to get, is it's
1: to get it to get a TV deal done or right. whatever to get a to get a rights deal done. I think they've given him to the end of the month, and when you when you hear the comments, if you were close to a deal that a lot of people liked you're not having these ADs come out and be so vocal because when you get to the finish line of a deal, everyone shuts up. I mean, Neil can tell you, it's like the ultimate coaching search. You can get, all when, when the pieces are moving, you can get the information, but once they start closing in on the deal, everyone goes radio silent, and typically that's how it works in the TV deals too. And the fact that you know, you've got less than a month and everyone is still just essentially firing from the hip, that tells me that they are nowhere near close to a deal.
3: First, tell you about G&M Pharmacy 662-236-2222. They deliver locally in the Oxford area, and they offer medicine. Your prescriptions the same day each month and take care of you. One trip to the pharmacy, one delivery, and you have everything you need when you need it with G&M. They also will transfer your medications. One call, they take care of the rest. So whether it be Tyson Drugs and Holly Springs, or G&M here in Oxford. That's
4: 662-236-2222. Walk-On Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine, po'boys gumbo voodoo shrimp, plus fan favorites like juicy burgers, fresh salads, 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. You can also order online at walkons.com or on their convenient Walk-On's app. At the College Corner is your one-stop Rebel shop two locations in the Jackson area in Ridgeland. It's next to Fleet Feet and Flowwood. It's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, just go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram, the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. We're brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, same great products and services, same people. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, call Comer 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, memphis south haven that area call the people at southern 662-429-4429 a stock auctions is a nashville-based online auction company with the mission to provide customers the power to name their price all items at a stock start at just one dollar that's right every item starts at just one dollar shop now at astock.bid, download their app Name your price on thousands of items from big-name retailers. A-Stock Auctions has multiple locations around Nashville that offer local pickups, so don't miss out. If you want it, bid it, win it. Amber brought to you by Solutions RX. It's a probiotic, multivitamin, and supplement company created by Ole Miss Pharmacy alum Chris Cornelison. It's pharmaceutical-grade, manufactured right here inside the U.S. under the highest standards, based out of Mississippi. So if you take diabetes medication high blood pressure medication, cholesterol medications, uh, you know that they can typically cause some side effects, energy loss, brain fog, that kind of thing. It's due to a depletion of minerals and vitamins in the body. But Chris formulated a product called Prescription Support, puts those vitamins back into your body, helps with those side effects, makes you more compliant with your meds, keeps you healthier over the long term. It's solutionsrx.com, promo code OEP. At checkout, get 10% off your first order.
3: Podcasts also brought to you by the Old Men's Athletics Foundation with baseball bashing back in action. You can show your support for their efforts on the field this season by signing up for the Pledge Per Win and Pledge Per Home Run campaigns. Donations are charged every Monday. They're allocated in your blue priority point total and up to 90% tax deductible. So sign up today by visiting give 2 slash donate or call the Old Men's Athletics Foundation at 662-915-7159. Also, remember Morgan Wallen coming to Hemingway Stadium this April, the same week as Ole Miss and LSU baseball big weekend in town. That Saturday night, that Sunday night, tickets available at great prices for both nights. It's cheap, seventy nine dollars, I believe, if I have that correct. So MorganWallen.com for either one of those nights. Tickets at Ball Hemingway Stadium.
4: Yeah, I don't, and, and I just don't know that you can. We see this with these RSNs, right? The with the with Major League Baseball. I don't, I don't know that these. I don't know what the future of television rights are. I don't know what the future of sports on television is. I don't know what the future of streaming is, whether you can make more money from streaming, whether there's ever an opportunity to turn that into something super profitable. But again, I just go back to the same logical conclusion that I've, that I've had for a while now. And that is you knew this day was coming when the big 10 contract would kick in with Fox and where the s e c contract would kick in with the mouse, and people look at all the money and if you're at one of these a c c schools, you look at it and you just see the difference and you calculate that times ten eleven years, and you say that's that's not that's not acceptable and Once the word unacceptable gets passed around, I mean it's kind of like the Pete Boone moment in Nashville in two thousand 11 or whenever that was when he said this is unacceptable he, there's no turning back from that right it's unacceptable so there at some point someone's going to go to lawyers and go here's whatever you got to do whatever we have to do we got to get out and they're I, I just think it's going to fold I don't think there's any chance the ACC hangs as is for the rest of this grant of rights I don't think there's any way and if I'm wrong I'm wrong
1: no i I, I tend to agree I mean the question though for me is how do the mechan Like, so if if Chase is saying in two years, do I think the ACC exists? I can foresee a scenario where it does. Do I think the ACC is going to be? Do I think the ACC makes it to the length of the the grant of rights? Well, no, I obviously don't believe that, but I can still see a scenario where hey, you can't get everybody on board because you know if you want to use your if you want to use the business analogy, I would say it's like this. There are plenty of people that are happy working for themselves, knowing that it's entirely possible they could go somewhere else and make more money, but they have to work for someone. They've got a boss, but they're comfortable. They're happy. There are some people in the ACC that like having their games that their people want to go to. And, they don't want to give up their rivalries and, you know, they like thinking they're, they're not sec people. They're not big 10 people. They're ACC people. And yeah, we're giving up a little bit of money, but you know, we, we, we kind of, we're happy where we are now. The problem is you have people, other people in that conference that are like, screw that. I want to get as much money as we can like that. You know, that that's what we're in this business for. And just because you want to sit there and play ring around the Pose- ring around the rosy, and you're happy, that doesn't mean that we are. So the question then becomes for me is like, are you going to be able to align enough people to agree to dissolve the conference? Because to me that seems to be that seems to be the simplest way forward. Because I really believe if there were wiggle room in that contract, that it would already have been found, and I think that there've been lots of people who have been paid lots of money and they can't figure it out.
4: Yeah. Cause obviously that's the case. I just, I don't know. It's obvious. I, mean, I
1: do think there's going to be a point though, where there's going to be a point where enough of them vote and then the rest are going to see the writing on the wall. And then maybe, I guess you can come to the structured settlement of, all right, we're dissolving the conference, but you're still going to pay us. Like I'm, I'm sure there are, legal ways to figure this out
4: yeah we're like texas and oklahoma are paying the penalty because they looked at it and said it's time to get out we're going to make the money up quickly i think that they're not they're not there yet florida state clemson north carolina but they're get they're going to get there fast where they they're just going to look across the landscape and say how do we compete in this in this market and i don't i think the answer will be someone will reluctantly go well we can't so we got we got to figure out a way to we got to figure out a way to max uh, ch- uh, cash in our value I think that's what's coming but maybe I'm maybe I've got the timetable sped way too much but these as this well, stuff I mean,
1: what we what we've seen is what we have seen in realignment is typically there's this mad rush then it stabilizes it's quiet and then there's a mad rush again like things tip into Things typically have been happening kind of out of nowhere, and then they tend to happen very quickly. So there's two ways to look at that. One would be, well, did things really get done that quickly, or were things just done quietly? And it's entirely possible right now that things are getting done quietly.
3: Moving around a little bit, the Giants, are they going to franchise tag Daniel Jones?
1: I think they would prefer to get a deal done. Yeah, I
3: think they're getting a deal done. Really? You're Mm going to go ahead and get that done? Not want to see one more year?
1: Everyone laughed at the Daniel Jones wants $40 million a year. Like, are we really this stupid that we're like, guys, it's a negotiation. Like, of course he's going to say he wants $40 million. The question is, what will he take? And, you know, these quarterback numbers are only going to keep going up. I mean, you know, we're going to start to see kind of a league average quarterback, provided he's not on a rookie deal. He's going to be making around thirty to $35 million. And there's a reason why, like, when you see the – when you saw uh, Derek Carr seeking $35 million, well, when you kind of look at the average of the market, it's going to be, for a starting quarterback, it's $35 million. And so I think they want to get a deal done. I think they prefer to uh, – I think they – I think that they, they would prefer to see kind of a version of the Kirk Cousins type deal where, you know, maybe you give Daniel Jones, you know, $100 million guaranteed or something along those lines, and it's like a three year deal. Uh, I would be surprised if they lock him in long term.
3: Phil Yates from ESPN yesterday wrote a thing about predicting all NFL teams starting quarterbacks for 2023, and he predicted the Saints to be uh, with Baker Mayfield for the season
1: as a yeah, starting quarterback. Because so, uh, I read that too. Congrats. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know. Like To me, I think Baker's in a unique spot where I would be a little bit more choosy of where I go. And, yes, obviously there are some weapons for the Saints, but, I mean, Chase, who's running the offense?
3: Oh, their only weapon, really, if you're the Saints is you have a pretty good defense. Frankly, offensively, they're not very good, in my opinion.
1: I, I like Alave. I think Olave's a good receiver. He's good, yeah. Uh, He's been good. I mean, I don't know what you can get out of Kamara still. I mean, it, it seems like Michael Thomas is on the way out, but, you know, you would know better than I do. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of would tell Baker... Man, I don't know how much was left in Matthew Stafford's tank. I think I'd kind of hang out with the Rams for a little bit. You, you had some success. You found a fit. Like to me, that's that's as much as you yeah, know. That's as important as pretty much anything. Setting yourself up for a good opportunity, and maybe with Baker. Like I personally don't believe Deshaun Watson's that good, and I think Cleveland's going to find out pretty quickly. You know, I mean, the next scapegoat's going to be Stefanski first, but I mean. The best thing that happened to Sean Watson last year was missing the first 11 games, so everyone was laughing at Russell Wilson, and he got to fly under the radar. He was really bad. And, again, it's entirely possible, hey, coming off that scenario, missing that many reps, like, you weren't going to be good. But, like, this is a big prove-it year to me for Watson because I personally just don't think he's that good.
4: What do you think about Wilson and Peyton together? Is that going to work? Or is – or is what we saw from Russell Wilson last year what we're going to see moving forward?
1: I think what we saw last year from Russell Wilson was the absolute worst case scenario because essentially he was allowed to be his own offensive coordinator, which was, you know, his team and his camp's dream. And then you bring in a guy, you bring in a guy, uh, well, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, his dad was the coach, the head coach, that got fired, like, at 11 weeks.
4: Oh, Especially I can't... Out. I can't think of his name, either.
0: Um. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data,
2: Are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment, and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: He's now with the Jets.
3: Yeah, isn't that crazy? Nathaniel Hackett.
2: Hackett.
1: Nathaniel Hackett. So you bring in Nathaniel Hackett, who is kind of a yeah, like a vibes guy, like everything's cool. Like, and let's like have, let's all get along. And so that allowed Russell Wilson to have too much power. Probably. I think Sean Payton's going to come in. He's already gotten rid of, did y'all see who, did y'all see who Russell Wilson's uh, personal quarterback coach was? No. Jake Heaps. Oh. I believe all three of us have seen Jake Heaps work when he was at BYU. <laughs> Uh, so Jake Eves is like his personal quarterback coach and, uh, Sean Payton immediately gets rid of him and Sean Payton's going to figure out a way to get the most out of him. I think the way that I would look at it is if Russell Wilson's done, we'll know, because I do feel like to a certain degree, if Sean Payton can't get anything out of him, mm-hmm. he's probably done.
3: Oh, that's more than fair. We, we applauded it yesterday. That Pete Carroll response to Russell Wilson saying and trying to get him fired was, I mean, that was A-plus immaculate.
1: Yeah, I said it on the show, though. Isn't it a lot easier to take the high road when you have the high road? Well, of course. Sure. Yeah, and I mean, like, in the end, he's in the, he's in the position of, you know, he's worse. Like, I was trying to think about it from this perspective, though. From a... From a non-scandal story, has anyone had a public fall from grace like Russell Wilson that doesn't involve scandal? You know, whether it be, you know, steroids, like on-field, off-field, no scandal. Just his level of play and then stories coming out about his kind of behavior behind the scenes. Has anyone had... I couldn't think of someone else like that was even in this category.
3: Well, no, because the whole time he was in Seattle those last couple of years, we you know, it was always, hey, he's propping them up and they're gonna be whatever and they're terrible and whatever, and you look at it and you go, ah, "The system was pretty decent. Yeah, Glow Smith was fine. right. Yeah. You know. I mean they well, prop Russ up. Also,
1: like if we want if we wanna if we wanna tie it into, you know, the beginning part of the conversation, I think one of Russell Wilson's biggest problems is the quote unquote team around him. Like, they want to market him as, you know, let Russ cook. And, you know, he's got this whole, like, it's more of like a marketing thing than it is, like, level of play. And he went from kind of like this goofy kind of corny guy to, like, all of a sudden he's a robot. And he's like this high-functioning robot. It's like, well, the robot's broken. But it seems like a lot of the problems that were created for Russell Wilson were created by those around him. Like, you hear the stories of, you know, it went from being able to call Russell whenever you want to now all of a sudden his own teammates are having to get with his, you know, get with his marketing team to get get a hold of him. You know, he gets the office. He has his own office in Denver. I mean, like, it's just, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's the people around him that, like, are trying to make him into something that he's not, and that... I think that led to a lot of the, certainly a lot of the friction in Seattle.
3: You mentioned it last week. How are you feeling about your Bama future bet right now?
1: Well, they are finding a way. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess you could say it's you know it's a lot like when you you get to the airport and you didn't get TSA pre check and you see that line's pretty long, and you know that eh, boarding's already started. You got to get through security quickly. You got to get on that pat down nice and quickly so you can get through security and take off. I mean, What I,
4: when, when I you go through, maybe
1: how you got to look at it. When so you, you go through security
4: and they pat you down, what are they looking for? Mm-hmm. Bubble gum, uh,
1: I, water. I, I, well, there I are believe, strict rules we, on food. I believe, yeah, water bottles, usually open water bottles. That's what they're looking for.
3: If you
4: bring on like a eight ounce thing of shampoo as opposed to the yeah, yeah,
1: god, hold on god forbid you bring it on god forbid you bring on a can of travel shaving
4: cream yeah i mean that's what they're that, that's what they're patting him down for just make sure these you know buckled or, in safely or
1: god forbid it be a shampoo bottle
4: yeah i, I just no, i mean that's it you're just trying to get ready for takeoff i mean i, I understood what nato was saying i mean just keep digging. I mean people are like he keeps digging the hole deeper and deeper. They like, said no. in hindsight
3: it was probably an error. I mean, well, it, because you don't, don't want to bring it. you don't want to yeah, bring
4: an did. open he bottle did. of water through through security.
1: He did Like, let's give him credit. He did say my bad, that's on me at the end.
3: If a bunch of jobs were open, would this hurt Nate <laughs> Oates and trying to get the Kentucky or Kansas job or something along those lines at well, the I next mean, step?
1: I mean if y'all really want to go full Yeah, full uh, tinfoil hat. Yeah,
3: what do you got? Hit me.
1: Doesn't that extension look a little more interesting now when he signed it? When was it? That extension was basically. It was basically, I think it was like right after the event occurred, but before it got public.
3: Mm. So you know you're defending your program, so you go, hey, I'm just. Taking one for the team, and you're going to pay me for it? Uh, or hey,
1: this his contract was extended on February 3rd, and b- I believe the incident was middle of January, correct?
3: Yeah, something like that.
1: I mean, again, you could make the argument: hey, deals get done deals. It takes longer than yeah, that sure. for a deal to get done. You could make that argument, and I would have to say I don't know enough. So, sure, I can I can buy that, but at the same time. Starting to look a little, you know, may, maybe all of a sudden Nate Oates was Nate Oates was uh, motivated to get a deal done.
4: I mean, there were there were there was more than just Miller at that scene, and and Miller's attorney's account. I can't say that it's wrong. I wasn't there. I don't know, but he's doing his job. And, yeah, but boys I mean,
1: his job is to make his client look as as good as possible.
4: Yeah, yeah, and 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 it it makes him. Not sympathetic, but it makes it him makes him an idiot. An idiot, but yeah. Yeah. But there are other people that insist that there's more text that are coming out. And when the texts come out, it's not it's not the best look in the world.
3: Podcast brought to you in part by Justin Hill Creamery, Johnstonhill They're headed back to the Delta for the Charcuterie one oh one classes. It's gonna be at the Travelers Hotel. That's on Third Street in Clarksdale. That's Tuesday, March twenty first, six to eight o'clock you can uh, sign up now, snacks, for refreshments included. Remember, you get to uh, take home what you, uh, what you come up with with your designs there with the charcuterie. So, for more information and to purchase tickets, visit JohnstonHillCreamery.com where they make all their cheese locally and in house every single day at 662 419 9201 or go to their Instagram page, Johnston Hill Creamery.
4: So uh, the BOGO winter sale still going on with dead Soxy right now when you buy two sock bundles you get the second bundle 50% off or you get a free pair of socks with any single pair you purchase to get the deal put any two bundles or any two pairs of socks in your cart and apply the code rebel grove if you've got bundles in there it'll take 50% off the least expensive bundle if you've got two pairs of socks in your cart it will make the least expensive pair free. So head over to deadsoxy.com, stock up on this incredible winter sale, and as always, stay Soxy. We are also brought to you by Game Changer Patches, the only two-patch system available in the market. Stop hangovers before they start. The warm-up patch used uh, before or while you drink. Overtime patch used after you've been drinking to recover while you sleep. The all-natural ingredients will keep you in the game, ready for your next play. Go to gamechangerpatch.com. Promo code REBELGROVE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Also brought to you by Automation and Control Systems, LLC. It's a full-service AutoCAD services provider, a full-service fiber-optic cabling solution provider. If you're in need of custom HMI and SCADA solutions or large horsepower VFD specialist, ACS has you covered. It's acsllcms.com or call 662-601-4381. Brought to you by Layman's Fine Jewelry, 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford, They've been serving the Oxford area for almost 75 years. Whatever you're looking for, from engagement rings to children's jewelry, collectibles, and everything in between, Laman's is the gold standard in fine jewelry. Visit them at lammonsfinejewelry.com or call them at 662-234-2777. Brought to you by Pinnacle. Pinnacle based in Jackson, Mississippi. They have clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states. They provide detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much, much more. It's mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N, wealth.com. And we're brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. If uh, you're looking to make a special trip, one that creates a lifetime of unique memories, get in touch with John, give him some parameters, give him a budget, let him give you options, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. Just simply give him a call, 901-494-3387, or email him at edwards at regencytravel.net. And first-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast.
3: Podcast is brought to you by Prime Shrimp, primeshrimp.com. They have seven different flavors available for you. that deliver directly to your door and then fewer than 10 minutes from freezer to plate. Let them take care of dinner tonight, everything with the New Orleans-style barbecue, their newest offering to the signature, the full meals in a bag, the garlic herb butter, and the French Quarter Alfredo. they got a spicy option. They have the simple option that you get to season yourself for kids or people with more discerning palates. There with prime shrimp. Also, check out their two-pound bags of individually frozen shrimp. Like, like, what's at the grocery store? Except your higher-quality shrimp from the New Orleans-based company. So use code RG, Code RG, five packs or more, you get 25% off that purchase with code RG at primeshrimp.com.
1: But I mean, then doesn't that become a law enforcement issue? Because it's like, okay, well, if you have these texts, why didn't you have those?
4: Yes. Yeah, the, the question that I have, the only question I have with Miller is, did you know that you were bringing a gun to an altercation?
3: Well and I, and I know Jeffrey's got to go, but that was one really interesting thing with Clay Travis was on with Ryan Brown, and he pointed out that in no part of Miller's statement from his or his attorney's statement did he say that Miller didn't know about the gun and if you're writing the persuasive thing, that would definitely be in there if you can add that to a to an attorney's statement.
4: You didn't know about the altercation you mean
3: well no he he did not read the text like he did not say that Miller never saw the text okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess the other thing would be, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, the bigger question is if we find out now that there are
3: more texts,
1: I think it now brings into question, like, I was, I listened to the police testimony, like, the, the clips that they put out, and I found them to be credible. And I found them, I was left with the opinion If they could have charged him with something, they would have. I did not feel like it was cover up, but now if we find out that there are more texts and they weren't able to like get those, well, then doesn't cover up now start to come into play? And I mean, well, you at least have a question on why, yeah. I am capable of getting new information and changing my opinion. Yeah,
3: Uh, twenty seconds, Tennessee Sweet Sixteen or no buy sell
4: sell? Okay, yeah, losing that's it. Ziegler losing Ziegler just kills them. It's. uh, That that was sad to watch. I mean, he knew he was on the floor. I
1: I said I said the same thing on our show yesterday. Like it was uh, because I was watching that game.
4: That was painful to watch. It was. He's coming off the floor and he's just fighting back tears. And you know how much somebody works to get to that spot. And that team was going to be interesting in the tournament because they're so good defensively when they're healthy. And that sucked. I hate nothing more. I I hate nothing more in all of sports. There's two things that I hate the most, injuries and fans who celebrate injuries. I hate those two things more than anything in all of sport.
1: No, I completely agree. And, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like he is heading off to the NBA. Like, that's the type of college basketball player that makes college basketball fun. Yeah. Undersized guard that's really good and is a college basketball player.
3: Yep. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. All right, guys. Jeffrey Wright joining us there on the My Perfect franchise hotline. A lot of stuff. Basketball speaking up before I turn the page last night. Uh three games. The one we mentioned 90-85 Alabama over Auburn in uh in Coleman Coliseum last night. The Tigers led by as many as 17 prior to losing there in overtime time, getting outscored 15-10. Pretty active overtime period between yep. those two teams. Vanderbilt goes into Rupp and wins 68-66, just kicking themselves for the week before in uh, LSU. Yep. That loss that has changed their dynamic where now it doesn't matter, but they win 68-66. They spoil 21-20 and from Sheboy last night, including some big plays down the stretch to kind of get Kentucky back in it. Frankly, Vanderbilt was threatening to kind of run them out of the gym a little bit there late. And then speaking of LSU, they lose at home last night. Missouri does get the road win, 81-76 over the oh. LSU Tigers in uh in Baton Rouge. So. LSU led in that for a while. I was I saw the score. They led 47-34 at the break. They were up oh, 13 okay. at the break.
4: Carson and I I was doing other things. I was kind of working and but we had the we were flipping and we had Thunder Lakers on and we kind of got stuck on that for a while. Stayed there for a minute. Stayed there for a long minute.
3: So, a couple baseball things out of yesterday. I'll start with the one that actually has importance moving forward. Hunter Elliott, uh, Mike said he got back into town on uh, Tuesday night, said that they have gotten a consistent report regarding his elbow, that it is non-surgical. So, they've talked to lots of different doctors. He's had physical examinations in person at this point. He's traveled around. He's kind of been all over the country, frankly. And uh, it is non-surgical. They have diagnosed him with a strained UCL that is requiring three weeks of total shutdown. He's already done two. That means one more week of total shutdown as far as Elliot not picking up a baseball. At that point, it is a very slow ramp-up. People have had questions about this, but there's a throwing program that everybody's aware of how sensitive an area this is. If you have any sort of setback, you're you're done. So they're going to be very, very careful. Um, Mike is also exaggerating because he does not want to – he doesn't want to cause where media is asking him every day. And if you're one week late on the guest, then it's late and there's a problem. So, I mean, he, he's admitted to me that he does this. He typically will go a week or two longer than he hopes simply to sort of avoid that kind of thing. But it's going to be a very slow ramp up. We're talking mid-April probably, early to mid-April getting Elliot back, if everything goes well from right. this point. That's not any setbacks that could occur. Ole Miss plays Mississippi State. April 14th through 16th in Starkville. That is the sixth SEC weekend of the year. So you're talking about two more non-conference weekends, than five-ish conference weekends somewhere in there. But, look, you thought he was out for the year. Potentially, it's huge news if he gets back, if he's 100%, if mentally he's okay. Because as somebody who went through something similar and nowhere near the level – your mind is part of the problem here. You have to trust that your elbow is okay. You've got to throw it. You see the same thing with ACLs, guys who don't quite fire that knee, or they're a little worried about some twists or turns or movements that you would make from that standpoint. So it's it's great news for the kid. I mean, forget team for the yeah, kid, of course. Um, but for Ole Miss as well. But this is it's going to be a minute. So you know, look, it it keeps Ole Miss's postseason aspirations there, though. I mean, if Hunter Elliott's healthy, they're a team that's very very good come postseason. And it keeps those things in play whereas frankly otherwise they don't have enough right now they at least at the moment with these freshmen not transitioning to the point of being completely ready they're they're they're, they're, they're struggling in the bullpen um, there's no doubt about that so they'll start c- clicking the calendar off clicking the weeks off and see what happens when when it turns to April but another month without Elliot for sure we'll see kind of how they uh, how they get through it again they're in Minneapolis this week they're gonna go with the same rotation of um, Doherty sonye and revis uh friday saturday sunday there against maryland minnesota and nebraska just win some games keep your head above water and see where you're at when elliot if or when gets back at that point
4: yeah my primary thing is i'm happy for him i'm happy for his family i think i I don't know whether this is because of the stage of life i'm in right now with a son who's playing sports and is super into it and it means everything to him and he's I see the amount of work that goes into for him at the high school level, right? To get ready to play. And the Zakai Ziegler thing impacted me emotionally the other night. It did. Watching him on the ground, on the court. He knew he had blown his knee out. Um kind of banging on the court in frustration. And then you see the tears and you see the teammates. And that was that was hard for me. I just imagined like that being my kid. Right. How devastating that would be to work so hard for something. I saw it yesterday. I was watching the Ole Miss game. The lightning delay came. So I flipped to a different game, was watching the end of uh, Arkansas and Illinois State, I I think. And looked like Brady Tigert blew his elbow out again.
3: Yeah. He threw 34 pitches. And on the last couple, he was basically kind of flailing, waving his elbow between pitches. So. I've not seen an update there. it appeared
4: that he was saying that he couldn't feel anything and he was in tears as he left the field. And you just see that. You see that you see that happened to people. And I was so I was when I saw your report about Elliot, my primary thing was not about Ole Miss or about what it meant for a competition standpoint. And I know that's what fans want to hear about, but honestly what I thought about was just how relieved I kind of was for him. I don't know him. I don't know if I've ever met him, but I was happy for him. That he doesn't have – the people at Tupelo, I know a lot of people at Tupelo who know him and they rave about him. I was happy for him that he doesn't have to go – at least doesn't
3: appear that he's going to have to go through that. Yeah, I mean, as JM says in the stream, and he wouldn't have have some idea here, this is – it's a process. I mean, there's no guarantee he's back that day. But what it does mean is he saw a lot of people. If surgery was the best course of action for Hunter Elliott, he would be having surgery right now. Sure, A, because he would be. And two – from a timeline standpoint, that would have allowed him to throw more prior to the draft next season. Right. You don't want to postpone it if you're Hunter Elliott, and it's at all necessary because you want to get back, show a healthy arm prior to that draft next summer. So everything points toward this being just the correct decision all the way around, sure. that they do believe he can be 100%.
4: They did it the right way. Yeah. They
3: felt something, Stopped shut him, him down,
4: Went got uh, multiple opinions, Yeah. and you get a consensus. Then you make let somebody look at it in person. Yeah, and then you kind of go from there, and so you shut it down for three weeks, and pick up a ball, and you follow the plan carefully and, and meticulously you see where you are, and you hope for the best. Mm-hmm. And if there's any kind of a setback, you stop and reassess. It's that simple. It's not about yeah, no news
3: is good news now for six weeks. Yeah,
4: it's not about getting back for a certain series no. or no, it's about him feeling good about the arm and getting to a place where he feels comfortable and with the doctors and everyone feels comfortable that hey you're at no more risk today than you were at any other time that you picked up a baseball and threw it in a way that our arms weren't designed to throw yeah um so yeah that's that's great news for him and but yeah the people that are gonna be what about this weekend we need him back for this weekend no you need you know you need him back when he's when he's good yeah you need him back when he's physically ready and when he's mentally ready to pitch and whenever that is Great if that's Mississippi State, if that's LSU, if that's whoever, great. But no, the whole we must get him back for the fifth weekend. No, you don't. You got to get him back when he's good to go, and not until. And sounds like that's the plan they have. And I think they should all, everybody associated with it, should probably be commended for the way that they've handled it.
3: No, it feels textbook as far as just nice
4: and easy. It's cool
3: and no rush to tell. Like we're just gonna when it gets done, it gets done. Yeah, I don't
4: know. Sure. So you say, hey. I don't know, six, seven, eight, ten weeks, whatever. I mean, it's what Mike
3: said that first day. He goes, he's not pitching next week, so who cares how many places he needs to go in the meantime. Okay, fine.
4: And the last thing Mike wants is to put him out there before he's ready and something goes terribly wrong. It's the last thing he wants. (laughs) So you do it the right way, and they have. And calm, and it's potentially good news.
3: Yeah. It's good news either way,
4: Yeah, but it's, yeah yes. it's, it's potentially really good news that you might get him back healthy and somewhat rested and all of those things. But like you said, I mean, there's a ramp up that's going to take some time. and You cannot irritate that UCL. And if it gets irritated ramping up, then that means that, nope, there's a problem and you got to reassess where you are. So we'll see. I hope for the best and
3: hope that he's back pitching when he feels good and when he's mentally ready to do it. The SEC went 4-1 and last night in midweek baseball. They only lost. The Jacksonville Dolphins went into Gainesville and beat Florida 10-8. to They've actually scuffled a little in the midweek so far. Whatever. Um, Arkansas winning that game 10-9 and 11 innings over Illinois State over the Cardinals or the Red, Redbirds. Redbirds, That's right, the Redbirds of Illinois State. Tennessee over Charleston Southern, Auburn over Florida A&M, and then Ole Miss 4-3 in a really weird game last night. Uh so okay, there's a lot of misinformation on this, and I don't really under I mean I understand why LaTeX is frustrated. I completely get why Lane Burrows was annoyed last night. A game that they needed far more than Ole Miss needed it, a road midweek sweep of Ole Miss would really be nice on their resume for the uh the the push because they sure. do not play in a league where they have the same RPI opportunities moving forward for sure. seating hosts. I mean, they hosted a couple years ago. It's not like it's impossible in Ruston. Um, so I get his frustration. The arguments just didn't make sense. So what happened last night is Ole Miss hit, uh, Ethan Groff hit a home run in the fifth inning to go up four to three. Nobody scored in the sixth. And at the end of six innings, Ole Miss led four to three and mm-hmm. the top of the seventh, Louisiana tech got after Ole Miss's bullpen. They scored two runs. I think they had runners on the corners. I know they had a run at third base with two outs. They had gone up five to four. And at that point, lightning was detected within eight miles of Swayze Field. They have monitors that do that. That's not just somebody going, hey, that looks like it's eight miles away. They know exactly how far it was. Umpire pulls them off the field at that point. Um, every time there is a lightning strike inside eight miles, we know this from the NCAA tournament. Yes. It's Another 30, 30 minutes. It's 30 more minutes. The clock just resets. Well, that's problematic when a storm surge is coming into town. Ole Miss had moved the game from 4 to 3. We can debate that in a minute. But anyway, they had moved it from 4 o'clock to 3 o'clock at that point. And here is the part where I don't understand what LaTex is saying, is that they keep griping about the tarp. But at no point prior to the monsoon coming around 8 o'clock last night, and this happened at 5, the first delay was at 5.34. That's correct. 5.34 p.m. So before anybody does the Arkansas thing to me, I was watching the Ole Miss
4: game is what I had on. And then when it went to the delay, (laughs) I said, well, they're not going to play for at least 30 minutes. I'm going to flip to something else because no offense to any of the broadcast crews, I'll leave it at that. Just no offense. I I just said, I'm going to go to something that has action. Yes. Where people are actually throwing and throwing hitting
3: balls and things.
4: Throwing and hitting balls as opposed to waiting out a thirty minute clock. So that's the reason I flipped over to the Arkansas game.
3: So five thirty four is the first delay, and there's more lightning and more lightning and more lightning and more lightning and more lightning. They finally announced a restart time of seven forty five, a little over two hours later. And at the time that happened, the only tarps on the field were on the mound and the plate, the little small ones that they use. Okay, two things here. One, it wasn't wet. It had rained, and it was kind of running whatever, but here's the truth. It actually kind of makes the field more playable when it just rains a little bit because it settles the dirt and whatever. There were no puddles. Even the warning track had no puddles on it. They drain really well, whatever. So There's a reason
4: they put water on the field before the game starts.
3: So there was no reason to tarp the field, A. And then B, and here's where the big brain stuff is coming in that I don't understand. Because Lane Burrows knows this. He was just pissed off. Yes. Is that if you tarp the field, it's at least 20 more minutes more than it would be the way they had it to get the field ready because once you, you to get tarp, the tarp the field off and you got to put and lines. then you have to start doing lines and stuff because right. the tarp is messing up the field yes they did not have a window for doing that frankly Ole Miss or the umpires or whoever makes that decision I think it's the umpires actually I don't think Ole Miss has any say of anything to do with the field once the, once game, the game starts the
4: game's in the hands it's not of the like umpires. Mike goes
3: hey get the tarp out the umpire goes hey grab the tarp so
4: once the first pitch is thrown the it's game not belongs, Mike's game anymore the game belongs to
3: the umpires So point being, they actually were doing Tech a favor because had that tarp ever come out, they were never finishing the game. That was it because the windows simply did not allow for that type of situation to play. The other thing, too, is this was just going to keep – I mean, they they had to get through another half inning. So they only needed like 20 minutes. I mean, it was actually pretty feasible to get another inning in or half inning in or four outs, I guess, technically – if a lightning would just calm for a second prior to the big storm coming in. And then once seven forty five came, another lightning strike came which knocked it out thirty more minutes. And then at some point between seven forty five and eight, the sky fell out where an arc yes. was needed. Yes, it really rained. So TARP or no tarp at that point. You weren't playing then. It did it till four AM this morning. That's correct. It's actually maybe still doing it now. It was raining when I drove over. Uh the rain got was supposed to get out around nine A. M. So The tarp could have not existed at Swayze Field at all, and it still would have zero impact on that game last night from a finishing or not finishing standpoint. I just don't get why that was the heel that they had decided to die on because even their official account tweets this three-paragraph thing going, Ole Miss refused to put the tarp out. It's like, it was lightning. I, 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 I don't really understand the 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 argument here at this point. So as
4: someone who is pretty familiar with Louisiana Tech. Okay.
3: <laughs> you are.
4: Um I get where Burroughs is frustrated. He's, oh, I, I he's, get the he's frustration. a coach. He wanted to win the game. They they were he probably felt like they were about to win the game. That had they played nine innings, they were going to win the game. I'm sure that's what he felt. I'm not saying it would have happened. Oh well, sure. I mean I'm Ole saying, Miss was
3: pretty bad in the bullpen. That's saying sure. that's what
4: he felt. He felt like hey we're we're about to get him. And then you wait and you wait and you wait and you don't get get him and Mother Nature and the way rules work, and you go back since you couldn't finish the inning, and the inning doesn't
3: count, blah, blah, blah. That's every level of baseball, by the way.
4: Administratively, that place has always been full of idiots. Oh, really? Yes. They have this inflated view of themselves that they can't get over. I grew up around it. I grew up kind of cheering for Louisiana Tech. I mean, I went. would go to their games. That's where I lived. It was easy. I, I wasn't an LSU fan. I cheered for Tech. I grew up an Alabama fan, actually. So both of my parents have degrees from there. Yeah. Um, this is the same administration that when presented the opportunity to get into the Sun Belt, they went, nah, nah, we're good. And so instead of having natural rivals with teams like Louisiana Lafayette UAB and not UAB, but, but South Alabama and Southern Miss and games that would have been appealing yeah, to sure. people in Rustin they've got rivalries with like Marshall. yeah, and rice and shit. I mean <laughs> It's just where they are. And rice. so that's what they do. And, and they're frustrated. So they should be fr- that, that, for the official account to go tur- uh, to go do all that was stupid. I get Lane being frustrated. Any coach in America in that spot would have yeah, been frustrated. Sure. So, fine. I, I'm not doing the Lane Burrows but And it was also
3: thing. like five minutes after the game ended, like even 20 minutes later, you're hell. Oh,
4: okay. Yeah. He probably woke up today and went, oh, I shouldn't have said some of that, but whatever. It's, I don't, I, I harbor no thing towards him, but just it was stupid on their part. It wasn't like, it wasn't like Ole Miss was trying to duck the game. If you want to question sanity, what you do question is the radar was there all day. And instead of starting at three, if you'd started
3: at two, you'd have probably gotten done. And I don't look, it, it's a very valid thing. I don't know the answer there. I, there's there's two parts of that conversation. One that's the quicker part. So let me get this out of the way. LaTeX was griping because Mike did not say they could just come back and play three innings next week. Shut up. Nobody's coming Nobody's back. doing Nobody's that. Nobody's coming to bring every worker in. And set up the stadium for two innings of baseball. Nope, Shut up! Not going to happen. No one would do Nobody. that. Nobody. Not not in not in early March. Like what are we doing? Shut they up. don't even do that in league play. No, it's over.
4: I mean, come on. So cause major the, league baseball has rainouts. They don't bring the Mets all the way
3: back to San Diego to play two innings. <laughs> A statement from the La Tech Athletics Department. That's literally what it says at okay. the top. All right. After retaking the lead five to four and still threatening in the top of the seventh inning, the game went into a weather delay due to lightning in the area. Nearly two hours later, the Bulldogs and rebels were set to resume play at seven 45. It was not long after that when the contest was put back into a weather delay and ultimately called off due to incident rules. The score reverts to the last completed inning, which was the sixth, when Ole Miss was leading four to three at no point during the two plus hour delay, were there any plans to tarp the field if heavy rain became an issue we approached Ole Miss offering to return to Oxford to finish the game at a future date, possibly as early as next week. However, the Rebels head coach said his administrative administration would not allow him to resume the game, according to Bulldog head coach Lane Burroughs. While we were in total agreement of the decision to delay play due to the weather, we are disappointed that our student athletes will not have a chance to determine the outcome on the field. Oh, good God. <laughs> Everybody
4: knows the deal in a baseball game when there's weather. It's not the first baseball game that's been impacted by weather. That's so stupid. So Ole, Miss is, Ole Miss is supposed to, on Wednesday, say, hey, y'all, we're going to turn everything on.
3: Get everybody back in. Get
4: everybody back in. Security, umpires, everything. We're going to pay all that. We're going to get everything going again so that we can resume this game in the seventh inning. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Nobody does that.
3: They could have played the game earlier in the day. No doubt. There is a little bit of home team gets to do that. It is what it is. Sure. It's it's whatever. Also, I will say this, and I don't know the answer, and this is not this is not defending old miss, because frankly, I think you probably could have played it earlier in the day. I don't know what that looks like logistically. Workers, right. concession workers, Umpires. umpire. Well, they're probably already in town the day before, but I mean, everything. I mean, there probably is some stuff to that that, hey, just by the way, three hours earlier, go. I mean, there's a lot of people involved in this. It's not just sure let's go play an inner squad on the field with just the players and the coaches and make sure they're all out there. I mean, there there is a little bit of... And it's not like
4: in a major league setting where, let's say, it's the Braves and the Mets, right? And they get a game in April that, that gets halted in the 6th. Hey, you guys are coming back in a month. We'll just start a little We'll start there. at then. We'll start it at 5. and even then, they don't do that much. But, you know, the Mets make a couple of trips to Atlanta each year. Teams that you know, like a game gets rained out at Wrigley and that team's going back to Chicago to play the White Sox in a month. Maybe they, on their open date, they finish the game at Wrigley. But even then, that doesn't happen much.
0: Mm -hmm.
4: A lot of times it's just, hey, we got six in. That's a game. Yay. You understand that you got to get five innings in to get a game. If the game had ended in the top of the fourth inning, it would have just been a no game. It didn't happen. The stats didn't happen. No, the seventh inning never
3: happened. It never happened. So those two runs didn't happen. To the point that I've had a hard time going back and finding what was going on because it's all been a race from everything. It's not it's, on the box or anything.
4: Again, I completely understand why Lane Burroughs is frustrated 1,000%. He was about to get a really nice RPI win. Potentially. I totally get it. In his mind, he was about yeah, to sure. get one. And he very well may have been. Sure. So I totally get it. I'd put no fault on a frustrated coach.
3: The athletics department, though, shut they up. They
4: need to chill. Quit. This happens.
3: Because here's the deal. it There is a pecking order in college baseball, in college sports, in athletics, in life, whatever you want to call it. I mean, in some ways, La Tech is enough of a pain in the ass. I'm going to go, forget it. I'm not dealing with you anymore. I'll go play somebody else. I mean, yes. you're... But they don't see Well, Tech's already done that with LSU. LSU's already like, God almighty. They don't see themselves that way. But it's happening. I, I get I'm it. I'm reading through their Twitter. I, they're going, hey, Arkansas still plays us. Everybody else is scared. LSU won't play us anymore. It's like, no, LSU won't play you because you're a bunch of dumbasses. Yeah,
4: LSU can play a lot of people. They were doing you a favor by
3: playing you. Yeah, it's not changing LSU's day to go play Tulane instead. No, it's actually easier. Yeah, they don't care. The SEC teams
4: are smart enough to know that the only 30 games that really matter are the ones against each other. Fans don't like it when I say that, except for the fact that it's effing true. Go 19 and 11 in the league, okay? Go 19 and 11 in the league, and your, your ass is hosting. I don't care what you did in the non league. If Vanderbilt goes 21 and 9, okay, and loses three times to Lipscomb and Belmont, they're still hosting. Flip side, if they beat the ever-living out of Lipscomb and Belmont and go 14 and 16 in the league, they're not getting a regional. So you tell me that there's not weight on games in the schedule. That's where I'll tell when like there was a guy that got mad about us not talking about baseball at the very beginning of the podcast or in the week. He's like, well, you're talking about the Cubs. Well, the difference is every one of the 162 games on a Major League Baseball schedule matter equally. Now, some feel bigger than others. Sure. But statistically, they're all the damn same. It's not like that in college baseball. It's not like that in college baseball. If Ole Miss goes 20 and 10 in the league, the losses to Louisiana Tech and whoever else they might end up losing to in the non league won't matter. If they go 11 and 19 in the league, they could have beaten the ever living shit out of Tech and it won't matter. Way it is. Yeah.
3: So, anyway, as wrote, Baseball guys are pretty good. To Ole Miss, they get good news on Elliot. They win a game, and they don't even have to throw two point one bullpen innings that they don't have the guys for right now. So they had a good of, day. Sort of worked out for Mike, all right. Yesterday he went to bed and went, you know what? Other than probably Lane Burroughs yelling at the umpires after the game, whenever they met to have that conversation, he went, okay, fine. Mike, Mike probably got where Lane, Mike probably got where Lane was coming from. What? Mike's probably listening to him and goes, I'm just going to blame this on Keith right here. Hey, my administration said I just can't do that. My hands are tied. I don't know. Well, he probably couldn't have just yeah. gone. Hey, then yeah, he walks okay. off and
4: goes, that was a stupid idea. Yeah, y'all come back on Wednesday.
3: <laughs> no. Uh, Ole plays Southern Miss next Tuesday night, so that's the next midweek game for the Rebels. Again, Is that in uh, town? Yeah, it's in town. And then uh, they do a they play – in Oxford or Hattiesburg every year and then playing Pearl every year. So gotcha. they alternate and then go to Pearl for whatever. Southern did their Mississippi State-Pearl game this week on Tuesday night. Oh, so it was like high scoring, right? 11 to 10 or I something don't like that? I I didn't even see a final. I'm not sure who won, but I think it was an 11 to 10 game. Really? Yeah. Okay. So... Anyway, Ole Miss, uh, game times this weekend, 3 o'clock tomorrow against Maryland, 7 o'clock against Minnesota on Saturday night, and then 1.30 against Nebraska on Sunday afternoon. So that are your start times for uh, the Cambria College Classic or whatever they're calling that. Again, that is the three Big Ten teams, Minnesota, Nebraska, Maryland, and then Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, and Hawaii on uh, the mm-hmm. other side of the bracket. Missouri pulled out of the event, so the Warriors are the, uh, the third team. Yeah, good there. for them. Yeah, sure, it's fine. They're hanging out. I'm assuming Missouri didn't want to play two of those because they already had played somewhere. They were in Arlington yeah. the first week of the year, so I'm sure. Assuming that's why they got out of that. So anyway, thanks to Jeffrey for his time today. We back with you. Uh, we'll have a pre-recorded show here uh, tonight for yes. Hand uh, Raised Guys. A couple different topics on uh, on that one, so we'll have that for you to close out the week on the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Um, and hand raised guys as well So we'll uh, t- have that And then we'll be back with you on Monday morning With a normal schedule uh, At least Monday Hey, We'll get to you We'll let you know we'll Monday you and probably on.
4: Tuesday And then that probably will be it next week um, Because of
3: From a streaming standpoint Streaming anyways. standpoint, yeah. yeah So we'll go from there Have a good day Take care Talk to you then
0: This is the story of the one As a maintenance engineer He hears things differently To the untrained ear Everything on his shop floor might sound fine